let's stand together as Yana comes this morning to read our scripture for us. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are the highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is the word of God from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. As I've spent the last couple of weeks preparing to begin our Advent series, I've been thinking a lot about tradition. And part of the reason I've been thinking about tradition and our traditions is because here we are again in the season of Advent where it seems like every year we read the same scriptures and we sing the same songs and we hear the same stories. And as I was preparing and and reading and even coming up with things that I I thought, I'm sure I've said this before during Advent, I had the thought in my mind, I wonder if we ever get tired of hearing these stories. And when I thought of it in the, the theme of, of traditions, coming off of Thanksgiving, I thought about our Thanksgiving traditions and how there are a couple of different ways we can look at our Thanksgiving traditions. We could look at them this way, saying things like, really, we're having 790 pounds of food again this year for Thanksgiving? Pumpkin pie again? I mean, seriously, the Cowboys and the Lions are playing again this year we're seeing the same old people from our family again this year including the annoying ones including the crazy ones and by the way if you don't have anyone in your family who is annoying or crazy then you're probably the one who is annoying or crazy is that how we look at thanksgiving or do we most of us look at it this way We look forward to engorging ourselves on all that food again. We can't wait for the season of pumpkin pie and pumpkin spice lattes. We love watching the Cowboys play and the Lions lose every Thanksgiving. And we are actually thankful to see the same old people from our family, our friends, our loved ones, even the annoying and the crazy one. That's That's how we typically look at our Thanksgiving traditions, and I hope we look at our Advent traditions the same, that we welcome this season back into our lives. We welcome this rhythm of life that has come back where we remember the good news of the story of the birth of Jesus. We remember all the people who were involved. As Today we start with Mary's story, Mary's part in all of this. 
and we remember these incredible promises of God that we talk about, that we sing about for several weeks during this year. And as we do so, we remember the promises that God made to them are the same promises he has made to us. And his promises will stand forever. So I am excited to be in this Advent season with you. And I hope and pray that you feel the same way. As we begin our series entitled Messiah for Advent this morning, I want to just take a moment and say a special thanks to my father-in-law, Glenn. I hope that I know that you were blessed by Glenn's message last week, and I am always so thankful not only that Glenn is my father-in-law, but that any time when he's asked to preach or teach that he is such a trustworthy voice. He's such an excellent teacher. He brings such great application. I am not sucking up to my father-in-law. I really mean this. It's such a tremendous blessing to have him in our family and in our church. And so even just listening to his message online last week, I felt that sense of thankfulness that he talked about. And I hope you did too. And as we move into this season of Advent, more than anything else, I hope we are thankful for the Messiah. And this is a word that comes up so often throughout Scripture. And every time we see it, it's referring to someone who has been anointed. That's why when we, we literally define the word Messiah for Jesus as the anointed one, it's because that is well-rooted in the words of Scripture. When you see in Hebrew, for example, the word Mashiach, where we get Messiah, it's always talking about someone who is being anointed and given a position of honor. So the anointing typically happens with oil, and then we'll see this word come up when that, that anointing happens for a king, or that anointing happens for the high priest, or that anointing happens for a prophet. And the New Testament tells us that Jesus fulfills all three of those roles for us. He is the king of kings. He is the final high priest for his people. Jesus has made a way for us that we can speak to God and hear from God directly because he is our great high priest who is advocating for us even now as we are here in worship today. He's our king. He's our high priest. And just as God gave his word of truth through the prophets, so the word of Jesus Christ is the truth to us. God's highest truth for us to know to believe and to live by. Jesus is the anointed one in every sense of the word. And when we talk about him as the Messiah, what we mean is he is the long-awaited and expected one who came to deliver us from all of the darkness that exists in the world. So when we talk about the Messiah, we are by definition talking about the good news because Jesus is the good news of the gospel. And every time the New Testament seems to talk about this later on, you'll find language like it was at God's appointed time, or it was at the time that God had chosen, or it was when the time was just right, when the world was at its most desperate point, and people were crying out, calling out for a deliverer, for a redeemer, for a savior, that's when the Messiah came into the world. And we understand desperation. And we certainly understand in our own day and time, darkness. 
and how desperately we need the light to shine in the darkness. And yet we've already sung the good news this morning. We've seen the light. We know who the Messiah is. And at the center of this season of Advent, listen, it is all about Jesus. And I pray that each and every one of us would not miss that it is all about Jesus during this season. Today, as we look in Luke chapter 1, both Luke 1 and Matthew 1 tell us stories about the announcements, the annunciations of the birth of Jesus, and the handful of people who heard for the first time that the Messiah was about to come into the world and that the, the Messiah was going to be born in flesh and blood as a child. Only a handful of people hear these annunciations, and the Bible gives us a front row seat to seeing what some of this was like. And in Luke chapter 1, it's the annunciation, the announcement that came to Mary. And what I really want us to see as we begin this series talking about the Messiah is that Jesus the Messiah came to show us how much God so loved the world. Why else would the Messiah come to us in person? Why else, when we think about the birth of Christ, do we also as Christians think about the death of Christ? Because through Jesus Christ, God demonstrated fully to us just how much he loves the entire world, just how much he loves us. And we see in these stories the reminders that the Messiah is the Messiah for all who believe. And I actually have subtitled today's message a Messiah for the masses because I love how the Advent stories bring in so many different people from so many different walks of life that they get to hear these promises delivered to them personally. Think about it. The Messiah came for the poor, for the lowly, for the rejected, like Mary and Joseph, like the shepherds. But he also came for the priestly, like Zechariah, who we read about earlier in Luke chapter 1. And for the rich and the wise, like the Magi, who come into this story later. All around the stories of Jesus' birth, we see people from every walks of life being invited into this story. So that we might remember today, the Messiah, the good news of the Messiah, is not just for one people. It's not just for one kind of people. It's not just for one nation. It's not just for one tribe. It's for people from every corner of the earth who would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. No matter where they come from, no matter what's in their background, what's in their present, no matter what's in their hearts or what can be seen on the outside, all who believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah receive and experience this good news of the gospel. And these stories around the annunciations in the birth of Jesus remind us that he is a Messiah for everyone. We see that even in verse 26. In the unexpected place where the birth of the Messiah was announced. When, when Zechariah received his visit from the angel Gabriel, he was in the temple. And, and we would imagine that the people of Israel would have expected that an announcement like this would come in the temple or would come in the most holy city of Jerusalem or would come in one of those cities that plays prominent in roles in the Hebrew scriptures. But instead, it's in the unlikely place of Nazareth 
which has been described as a part of Galilee that was a small backwater town with a bad reputation that Mary receives the announcement that the Messiah would be born to her. Even one of Jesus' disciples, Nathanael, asked of Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth had a poor reputation. It was out of the way. It was ultimately insignificant and meaningless in most people's minds. And yet in this unexpected place, the birth of the Messiah was also announced to and through an unexpected person. Mary, who Luke tells us very little about in detail, that Mary was a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of David, and that Mary was her name, is really all the detail that Luke gives. Now, I find it interesting if you go searching through the art of Advent, or if you read through different commentaries about the book of Luke, the book of Matthew, you'll see Mary described or depicted in lots of different ways. It's very common in more European Renaissance art to see Mary living in something that looks like a palace. And she's dressed like she's wealthy. She has really bright white skin, right? And in most of those paintings, the angel Gabriel comes in and he bows down before Mary as if she's the center of this story. And yet Luke never tells us that that happens. Then if you see depictions in art from all over the world, other places where, where global Christianity is present, in, in many cases, people will identify more with Mary's poverty. And so Mary will be depicted in a humble home or a hut or sitting outside. And, and when Gabriel shows up, it's not this appearance of bowing down before her or, or, or even something that looks divine. Gabriel just sort of walks up like, hello, Mary, nice to meet you. You see these different depictions, and some commentators will add all this detail and explanation, which, which might sound good and might be accurate, but what Luke tells us is just these few details. He, he presents Mary to us in such a simple way that would see, we would see that she's favored and chosen by God for this role. We would know a little bit about where she's from and what her life circumstances were. And we would find her, as the readers of the Gospels today, a surprising choice to be the bearer of the Messiah. And I also even believe that Luke means for us to see that Mary was surprised. She, in her humility, did not expect that the announcement of the birth of the Messiah would happen in this way. And yet, this is how the story happens. Mary, a pure virgin would become the vessel to demonstrate God's physical presence with his people. First with Mary, very physically present with her. And then as, as Jesus is born, as the Messiah begins his work, that we would see in Jesus God's personal presence walking with us. In fact, at the root of, of this message, when anyone who, who grew up in a Hebrew home, home heard these, these, these words from Gabriel, the announcement from Gabriel, their minds would certainly go to the prophet Isaiah, who said, therefore, this is the sign. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called what? Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This is the promise of God's personal presence 
in the most personal way that it's ever been experienced in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, walking on the earth as one of us because the Word became flesh and He made His dwelling among us. This is what Mary is hearing. This is how Luke is describing for us the picture of of Advent is coming together. And at the center of it all is not Gabriel. And at the center of it all, as wonderful as she is, is not Mary. At the center of it all is Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, God with us. This is what this story is all about. To show us just how much God so loved the world. And then, and then listen as we move into the second part here. We're going to have to build a, a little bit more of a theological foundation this morning as we begin Advent. And this is going to take a little bit of work. But it relates not only to God's love, but to that idea of God's personal presence being with us in Jesus Christ. That Jesus the Messiah came through the initiative and the power of the triune God. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when we look at Gabriel's announcement here in just a moment, we're going to see that all three persons of the Trinity are present and mentioned. That there is a role here that we would see the completeness, the fullness of God's presence with us in Jesus Christ because the Father is being mentioned, the Son is being mentioned, the Spirit is being mentioned. God didn't just give us a little of himself in Jesus Christ. He gave us all. And when we believe and when we say and sing and proclaim that the Messiah has come, listen, we are saying Emmanuel has been here. God with us. And this is what Gabriel continues to announce. Actually, there the, in verse 28, the moment when Gabriel first speaks to Mary is so unique. There's no other place in Scripture that an angel shows this kind of reverence to a human. And yet the language that he begins with, he says later on, fear not. But in the beginning, his word to her is greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This, this is one of the reasons why we, we hold Mary in such high esteem. Just the very words with which she's introduced to us in, angel, in the angel's proclamation. At the heart of that phrase, you who are highly favored, what we, we use five words in English to say, it's actually just one word in Greek. And the root of that word is the word charis, which means grace. So we translate you who are highly favored at the root of that favor is not anything about Mary in particular, though she is blessed and she was God's chosen vessel. But at the heart of this favor is the very grace of God. And through the grace that God gave to Mary, he demonstrated his grace to us through Jesus Christ. And when Gabriel refers to Mary in this way when he addresses her and, and then he says the Lord is with you Mary was greatly troubled at his words can you blame her from hearing these words from the angel Gabriel she was greatly troubled at his words and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be but the angel said to her do not be afraid Mary you have found favor with God you will conceive you will give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. 
I love the way one commentator described this moment. The commentator wrote, it must have seemed like, as Gabriel spoke, that time stood still, that all creation stopped to listen as the messenger continued to speak. This idea that what God was doing here and what Gabriel was announcing had reverberations that echoed all the way through all of creation. The entire universe is being moved in this moment and spoken to. And yes, the angel is addressing Mary, but he's addressing her about things that have implications that change everything, including those echoes that reverberate all the way here to us in 2022. And Gabriel, as he makes this announcement, he says the child will be named Jesus. As all of time stands still and all of creation is affected by his words, he makes five declarations about who the child, the Messiah, would become. First, in verse 32, he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. As one ancient Christian said, He who the world cannot contain shall be contained within your womb, Mary. You shall hold him who holds all. This is the, the depth of the level of this announcement and how it affects everything that exists in all of creation in all of time and beyond time including us and as this story unfolds the triune god is mentioned the father the son and the spirit they they all are a part of this promise the fullness of god being given to creation he will be great and will be called the son of who? Of the Most High. And whose throne will he be given? The Father of David. The Father is mentioned. The Son is mentioned. And you ask, well, then where is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit comes in the very next verses, right after what we read, moving into verse 34. Mary has heard this pronouncement. She's heard the five declarations about who the Messiah will be. And she asks the angel a fair question How will this be? Specifically, since I am a virgin. Mary's question is, is much more than a biological question. First of all, she has protected her purity. She has held to the, the highest value, her virginity, her purity before God. So first of all, she doesn't want to do anything that would cause her to sin against the Lord. But also she has to have in her mind some of the other implications. What, what will this do if this takes place to my family? What will this do to our community? What, what, how far will the effects of this go? If you remember back to the story of Zechariah, I've mentioned him a couple of times. When, when Zechariah questions Gabriel, he ends up facing some consequences, right? He's struck where he can't speak for, for several months. And, and the reason, I think, is because Zachariah's question is different than Mary's. They sound similar, but you almost get the sense that what Zachariah is asking is, can God do this? Mary's not asking, can God do this? She's asking, how will God do this? What is this going to look like? And to answer this, Gabriel mentions the Holy Spirit. Here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. 
And he uses two really, really big words that it is so important we understand, again, to just see the fullness of this promise of God's personal presence with us. The first word that Gabriel uses there, verse 35, the Holy Spirit. So we've had the Son mentioned, the Father mentioned. The Holy Spirit will, here's our English translation, come upon you. Another way we could translate this is the Holy Spirit will spread his wings around you. God is going to, through his powerful spirit, wrap you up and hold you secure. And, and you will be in a place that though this is like nothing the world has ever known, you will know that you are secure because your hope and your trust is in him. God is going to wrap you up in his arms, in the wings of his spirit. And then the next word in English we translate overshadow is such a significant biblical word. It, there's a similar word to this in Genesis 1 where God's spirit, remember we're talking about the spirit, is hovering over the waters in the moments of creation. This is all tied together to the words and the promises of God going all the way back to the beginning of scripture. And then it is the same word that's used in the Greek Old Testament for when God's spirit fills the temple. When the temple's being dedicated and God's spirit, his presence comes into the temple and fills that place so that everyone is in complete awe of his glory and his power. The Bible, Gabriel uses that word to Mary and says the same power that filled the spirit or filled the temple, the same spirit power that, that, that arrived when the temple was dedicated is going to fill you up personally. How could Mary even fathom what God is saying is about to happen? But as she is going to be overshadowed by the, the fullness of the Spirit of God, so then that Spirit is going to pour out through Jesus Christ on us. And here's where this is really important. How else does the New Testament describe the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer? When we surrender to Christ's salvation we are filled with the spirit right the spirit overshadows us fills us and then through the spirit that's the only way we can do the work that christ calls us to do because the spirit has filled us and works through us so in this one word god is tying together his faithfulness in creation his faithfulness with and to his people his faithfulness to and through Jesus Christ and then his faithfulness to the church today as the spirit fills us as believers and all of this is a part of the story of the announcement of the birth of the Messiah because of these words Mary has been described as a sanctified temple she's been described as a living sanctuary for the Lord She's been described as a bridal chamber made by God. Not because Mary is the center of this story, but because the Holy Spirit comes upon her, overshadows her, and Emmanuel, God who is with us, comes into the world. Do you see how significant this is? And the depth of this language. And I pray that you see how these are promises that God is fulfilling to us. But also, skipping down to verse 37, I'm thankful that Gabriel says to Mary, 
just so we don't have to stumble or doubt these miraculous things nothing is impossible for god right no word from god will ever fail so that we know in our hearts and we know that we can trust and believe that these things were announced and they came to pass not through human initiative but at god's initiative and according to his word and listen to me his word never fails that's what the angel says nothing is impossible with god and so mary responds with both obedience and boldness when i hear mary's response it it makes me think of some of the other faithful people in scripture she sounds a little bit like ruth where you go i will go where you stay i will stay your people will be my people and your god my god she sounds a little like hannah i prayed for this child and the lord has granted me what i asked of him so now I will give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. Or Isaiah, here am I, send me. Or Job, even if he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Or even Jesus himself in the garden of Gethsemane, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And through confident, bold obedience, Mary receives the promise that God gave to her. Now, one last thing I want to mention before we close. Another thing that stands out to me about Mary, as we're talking this morning about her role in the Advent story, is that she doesn't miss it. She, she doesn't miss what God is up to and what he's doing. There are so many others in the Advent story who completely miss it. There are many who should have known better. I'm talking about kings and teachers of the law and priests who should have known that the, the promises of Scripture about the Messiah were being fulfilled in their midst, but they missed it completely. But Mary didn't. Mary was fully present in this moment. She received the word from God. She expressed her confidence and commitment to obey. And then I love these two little snapshots that Luke gives us in chapter 2. That as all this was happening, Mary didn't miss it. Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart. She treasured these things in her heart. She meditated upon them. And as everything was happening in and around her, Mary was fully present and she didn't miss it. Here's my prayer for us this Advent season. This is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for me. And it's my prayer for my family, okay? That we don't miss it. That, that in this season, we would take advantage of every moment that we have to reflect on God's promises, to reflect on the fact that we have seen the light, to give thanks and to treasure the many moments that God has in store for us in the next few weeks. It happens to me all the time. I've mentioned this before. I have a conversation with a person I ask, how are you doing? And the very first word I hear is busy. Everybody is so busy. And we thought before the pandemic that we would never be as busy as we were then, and we are much busier now. And so many people I talk to are running at such a frenetic pace that they don't have time to stop and to treasure up the things that are happening around them. Here's the Advent challenge that I'm giving to you, giving to all of us. Would you commit 
during this season and the next few weeks to be purposeful, to be intentional, to even remove some things if you need to, and maybe even say no to some things and disappoint some people. But would you be willing to be purposeful and intentional to slow down, which, believe me, I know is almost impossible in December. It is a crazy busy month. But would you be willing to commit for your sake, for your, your relationship with the Lord, for your relationship with your family, your loved ones? Would you commit to take this season at a healthier pace? And I am going to do this myself and with my own family. Take things at a healthier pace so that you don't miss it. And so that you can have these moments where you you treasure up things in your heart and you'll look back on the Advent season of 2022 and you'll say, that was something special and I didn't miss it. We want to give you a couple of tools to help make this possible. We have, first of all, a, a devotional. We purchased several copies of this devotional called The Promised One that is filled with some daily readings that start today that are written by some really great scholars and teachers that will help you walk through some Advent scriptures and have some really great devotional readings every day. This is probably best for teenagers and for adults, but we've purchased several copies. You can pick one up at the welcome desk. You can pay for it online. You can pay for it in person. They're only $5. Or if you give them a really nice smile, they'll probably give it to you for free, okay? But these are a tool to help you and help you as a family to walk through these days and have some purpose and some intentionality and not miss it. And then we also have these available for children. These are free, and you can pick one of these up at our kids' desk out here. Uh, these are for older preschoolers and children, and again, have some daily activities for your kids to go through this Advent season and to remember things like hope and love and joy and peace and most importantly, Christ at the center as we go through this season together so that perhaps all of us, again, will look back at this year and we will treasure up in our hearts the things that God is doing in our midst and doing in our hearts and doing in our homes and doing in our lives. Treasure them up and meditate on them so that we don't miss anything that God is doing. I love this quote from Kathleen Norris as we close this morning talking about the presence of God and the very personal way this happens for Mary. Kathleen Norris writes, Gabriel addresses his majestic words in an unlikely setting to an unlikely person, someone poor and powerless, extremely vulnerable in her place and time, a young peasant woman about to find herself pregnant before her wedding coming in Galilee, as it were, from a place of little hope. It is here and to her that God reveals that the ordinary circumstances of our lives can also be full of mystery and the gospel, which means good news. I pray for us during this Advent season where we do the same old things, we experience the same traditions, we sing the same songs we read the same scriptures we often see the same old people that during this ordinary season of advent in our lives that we would experience the extraordinary that we would be fully aware of god's presence 
and God's promises and just how much God so loves the world that this season we would not miss it, but we would treasure up in our hearts all that God is doing. Would you pray with me? As we pray this morning, I want to to close this time with a prayer that comes from an ancient book of worship that was read in the church for many, many centuries. As the virgin receives joy, the things of the earth have become heaven. The world is loosened from the ancient curse. So let all creation rejoice exceedingly and raise its voice to sing. Our Lord, our Maker and Deliverer, our Messiah, glory to Thee. God, I pray today for each and every one of us here, those who are present in the room, those who are watching online, that you would make us fully aware that you are at work around us. Lord, that when we are able to slow down and create some margin in our lives, in those spaces, you long to speak to us, to hear from us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to commit as we move into a new month in this season of Advent to have that, that, that level of purpose in our pace and in our lives, in the way that we lead, in the way that we serve, in the way that we live in community with others. And Lord, I pray most importantly, as we've said this morning, that this season would be a constant reminder of the good news of the gospel, the good news which is Jesus Christ. That as we think about his birth, we would also give thanks for his death Christ, that we would give you thanks for your sacrificial death on the cross for us. And I pray, Lord, for anybody here today who needs to have a a full understanding of that word hope, our hope, our word for Advent today, hope. Lord, that you would point them to the hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ through the light of the gospel, that we would find all of our hope, love, joy, and peace in Christ. I pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.